This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Dave, I have a riddle for you. What is big, ugly, and sends trout into attack mode? How about the silhouette of you coming down the river in your big waders? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I'm talking about a grasshopper. Trout love to eat hoppers, and they'll go into a feeding frenzy when the hoppers are readily available. Today, Dave and I are going to talk about the joy of fishing hoppers and offer some insights for those who are new to fly fishing and have never tried fishing hoppers before. For starters, uh, expect these big bugs to show up later in July, but more likely in August. Another word we often use that includes grasshoppers is terrestrials. Hoppers are terrestrials, but so are flying ants and other types of insects. Hopper patterns are also dry fly patterns, although I've caught fish when they're, you know, messed up and hanging just beneath the film. You'll also catch uh, fish on a hopper, but generally they're a dry fly pattern. And so you float them on the surface of the water. They are the easiest thing to fish. And let me tell you something. I think learning how to fly fish is a little bit like learning how to play the guitar. If you want to ruin somebody and not have them continuing guitar, start teaching them notes and make them learn, you know, like they're learning the clarinet. Learn guitar like they're learning the clarinet. The best way to have somebody learn how to play the guitar is have them learn a favorite song. Like from our era, it might be, you know, Sweet Home Alabama, mm-hmm. you know, from Leonard yep. Skinner um, or Freebird or something. But by them doing something that they really enjoy and is, you know, not too hard to play, they begin to latch on to the, to the instrument. And I think fly fishing hoppers is like that i think they're easier to cast i think when the fish are hitting them they're hitting them Um, presentation i think is less important but that's why i love fly fishing for hoppers yeah what, what is it about these hoppers well the second thing is that you know the fish love them and attack them last summer we were fishing a place uh north of belgrade and a couple summers before that we fished in the yellowstone we've had some really good stretches where yeah. for like two or three hours everything we throw at them and it we've even run out of hopper patterns and they'll th- anything big and ugly and sits on top of the water they'll yep. hit in those that's, moments that's true and they're so easy to see that's what i like yeah you know unlike a size 20 blueing olive pattern or pmd i mean you can see a hopper yeah they keep floating yep. without getting waterlogged especially mm-hmm. the ones that are tied with foam um and you know you, you're you don't need delicate casts no you just slap these babies down on the water so hoppers are really easy but here are a few tips to keep in mind if you're new to fishing hoppers i think the first thing is when you're in a you know a season of hoppers is be ready as soon as you cast that uh, fly on the water and it's easy to you know to be sleeping or to you know be worrying about your your line and often when you throw those on the water uh, or throw a hopper on the water 
they hit it and attack it and it, it's almost instant when you, they don't drift at all it really is a thrill I remember uh, on the Yellowstone a couple years when we were fishing that you know there, there was almost this sense of, of trepidation a little bit of fear because you, you see your hopper going down and you just know that all of a sudden that thing is going to be attacked and it's uh, that, that's a lot of fun something else to keep in mind is that pattern or materials don't matter I mean you can debate do you like a Dave's hopper better do you like this kind or that kind you know what patterns or materials don't matter uh, but size and color do matter uh, so pay attention when you are when you are streamside or by the river you're going to fish uh, I mean take a little walk in in the weeds and look at the hoppers I mean even grab a couple I mean are they are they small green hoppers are they they bigger you know dark brown are they kind of lighter yellow and and that's what you want to do then doesn't matter if your hoppers are tied with foam or they're tied with hair or uh, whatever else but really key in on the size and the color that's that's important by the way caddis flies are a good substitute yep they are we even used that spruce moth last oh, year yeah, i mean spruce moth was a killer that wasn't one it? afternoon i ran out of like <laughs> big terrestrials yeah. in my box and I just started picking anything because mm-hmm. they, and they were yeah. hitting anything. You're right. Yeah, when you when you're getting hoppers and they're really killing hoppers, you can throw a lot of stuff at them and and, and even the size color thing then sometimes becomes a, a bit of a non-issue. So yeah, caddis flies, uh, those spruce moths, the the big uh, red or yellow humpies, those all work really yeah, well. Yeah, they're just they're and they sit high in the water and you can see them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is what I like. Yeah. Another tip is to use a smaller fly as a dropper. You know, you can use an ant pattern, uh, a smaller attractor like a red humpy or a, or a royal wolf. Last year, actually, I think it was two years ago when we were fishing the Yellowstone and we had this banner day with hoppers in a place we now have dubbed mm-hmm. Hopper Run. Yep. <laughs> um, I was fishing a big old hopper and then I dropped a, a big old flying ant. I mean, these things, yeah. it was like I was, you know, fishing two cats. Mm-hmm. You know, they were just yep. huge floating on. And they kept hitting that flying ant. And it was so fun to watch them come out of the depths and hit that thing. I t- It was just, it just brought joy to my life I in know, that moment. I know it. <laughs> and, I, and I like a little beetle pattern, too. That's often uh, very effective. And, you know, what you'll find is that sometimes you may catch uh, uh, 90% of your fish on one or the other. I mean, I've had days where I, I've actually removed the uh, uh, the the trailing fly and I clip off the, the little piece of leader I tie it under the hopper and then that other little fly because you know nine out of ten fish are are on that big hopper but other times it's surprising I think man this is going to be a great hopper day and what they really are keyed in on is that little ant so another uh, piece of advice if you are uh, fishing hoppers is to slap them and twitch them you know this is the great thing about hoppers you don't have to make a delicate cast now it doesn't mean that you slap you know 10 feet of, of line on the water but you you slap that hopper down on the water because remember you're you're trying to simulate a hopper that somehow uh, uh, you know gotten disoriented and, and falls into a pool and those are you know those are big dive bombers they they make a uh, they, they don't make a delicate entrance they don't uh, land like you know somebody who's a, a skilled skydiver who gently parachutes down I mean they just plop onto the water and, and that's what you want to do 
And then the other thing too is occasionally just just give them a little twitch, and sometimes that'll be enough to. Uh, Boy, make a fish uh, come up from the, the lower recesses of the deep and uh, uh, just gobble that hopper right up. That reminds me of something, and I'm not sure why in this moment, but when I was thinking about the days, the terrific days that we've had on the water with hoppers, I don't think I saw other hoppers on the water. Hmm. That's true. Think about that last yeah. year was 16 mile. Right. Think about when the you know the couple of years we had those great afternoons on uh, on the Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. It's not like there was a hatch going on. Right. You know, yeah. like a hatch yeah. is coming out of the water. Hoppers are jumping off the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, when they saw that, they knew what it was and yep. they mm-hmm. were angry and they were yeah. after it. I mean, they expected it and it's like, wow, there's a, you know, there's a, a meal that's 30 times the, the size and sustenance of, of what we usually get. Yeah, so that, exactly. that's, yeah, that's why they really key in on those things. Another tip uh, or point when you're hopper fishing is that the prime time is really mid to late morning and early afternoon. Obviously, that's when hoppers are most active. Right. Um, last summer, when we were out in uh, at 16 Mile, I did not do well for the first two hours. Now, yeah, I think you slow. did a lot better than I did. Yeah, but I still had a, a good 45 minutes where there just wasn't much at all. But both the other fly fisher and I went to, to nymphing. Um, there was mm-hmm. a trico hatch going on. I just thought, man, I am not doing that. That is too <laughs> yeah, tiny. Yeah. But both of us started nymphing because we were not catching anything. I think that was at about 9, 10 o'clock. It wasn't until about 11 or 12 that, right. that the hoppers actually started to Yeah, get. I think about 11 o'clock, yeah, the, the things just started to warm up. And you can kind of see that too you know even along the the bank you start seeing you know hoppers fluttering around it would be worth creating a trip around hopper season at least once in your lifetime if you've Mm -hmm. never fished hoppers and you probably need to give yourself several days you probably need to figure out you know, early in the season, if it's a good hopper year or bad hopper year, I'm not sure how you do that. Maybe you call the fly shop or there are a lot of hoppers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I've not found uh, great hopper fishing on the Madison, but in s- smaller narrows or smaller places on the on the Yellowstone, mm-hmm. I've got yeah. hoppers. Sometimes they're really good on smaller streams like the Boulder. Mm-hmm. It just really depends on mm-hmm. obviously the, the environment and whether there are hoppers along the banks. Yeah, it really does. You know, one thing I would love to know maybe some of our listeners would be willing to uh, uh, comment on this podcast link or send us a message on Facebook. But I'm, I'm curious if, uh, if very many fly fishers have had good success on hoppers on cloudy overcast days. I, I haven't. That's interesting. It, you know, it always seems in my experience that it's those bright sunny days that are better and maybe maybe some of that though has to do with warmth because we we've, we've had some days that have been not only cloudy but they've been cooler and it's like well the, the hoppers just aren't very active so i, I kind of wonder that i wonder if uh, those bright sunny days are uh, best or if that's just kind of a fluke that just happened you know in, in in my experience i'd also like to know whether any of our listeners have had success with hoppers 
farmers in the Midwest, let's say in the Driftless or uh, in Min Michigan uh, or on the East Coast, I just have not done well on hoppers there. Um, the best days I've had have always been in the West, but I've heard that in the Driftless, there are days in which there are some good hopper yeah. uh, moments, but I just have never experienced them. Yeah, that's true. I'm the same way. I I see reports on, you know, I'll look at a, you know, a fly shop's website and what they're recommending, and they talk about terrestrials, but uh, yeah, I, I really haven't done that much either in the Midwest with hoppers. Well, it's time now for great stuff from our listeners. Uh, we enjoy reading your comments, your questions, your stories, and we'd like to share one of those on our podcast. Uh, today's item comes from Ryan Bloom from Missoula, Montana, and he commented on our Facebook page about a piece we ran on safe wading, and he wrote... Walking downstream is considered to be wrong because it's much easier to get your feet swept out. You can move downstream but are always supposed to be facing upstream. Studs stick to everything. Yes, even slippery moss-covered rocks. Never wear them in a raft, but excellent for wade fishing. Now, there's a couple pieces there. One is uh, walking downstream, and I, I agree that you, you really have to be careful if you're walking downstream. I, I think it depends on the angle you're taking. I think it depends, too, on on how swift the current is. Uh, you know, if you try to angle upstream, that the difficulty can be that uh, you're going to wear yourself out. But it's it's true. If, if you're angling upstream just a little bit, probably the current will push you down, but but the actual act of trying to walk upstream will will keep you safer. In other words, it'll prevent what Ryan's talking about where uh, the current can uh, get your feet swept out. I mean, I would still say take short steps, short yeah, strides. Absolutely. That's what's going to save you. The second piece to his um, great comment was the idea of studs and how they stick to everything. I'm not a fan of rubble-soled boots with studs. Um, they work probably 90 to 90 for five percent of the time but i just when i'm fishing the yellowstone and i'm in swift current i've worn those boots and i feel i'm probably feel the most unsafe uh, of any other type of boot that i wear so i try to wear felt sole boots when i'm fishing the yellowstone and i think it has to do with the you know the the film that sits on those rocks mm -hmm. and yeah. it's just so if if those yeah. you know if studded boots work for you i think yeah. that's terrific but for me that on right. the yellowstone they do not work and you can get some with felt soles that have studs right, right, that, right, right that would be a real killer combination and i know corkers has a, a pair of boots that have i don't know how to describe it but it almost looks like little plates they're not just studs but yeah. they're, they're they're sort of uh, like little metal l-shaped plates that, that that I had a friend say that those work great, and I'd, I'd like to try those out sometime. I think of all the gear that's out there, it might be the boots that are changing most rapidly, mm -hmm. the technology, yeah. and um, it's probably my boots that I need to change more regularly than it is, you know, a new set of waders or a new fly rod. Or I think the boots are the technology is really changing and, and really changes from year to year. Yeah, that's really a great point. Well, that's going to do it for today. What other observations can you offer about fishing hoppers? Please tell us by going to twoguysinariver.com and commenting on this podcast link. What suggestions do you have for fishing hopper patterns? You can find Two Guys in a River on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, even Google+. And we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast feed itself uh, on 
your mobile phone or tablet. Each week we publish a new episode of the podcast and a new article. Many of our listeners use podcasts as their mobile app for the podcast. So you can find uh, that app in your app store. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. <laughs>